Hi, welcome to Good Grief. It's a podcast all about love and loss. It's about the very complicated and often messy process of grieving. In each episode, I will chat to someone about their experiences of grief. And although it may get very sad, there will also be moments of joy and remembrance too. My dad died not long ago, and I guess this is my way of dealing with my own personal grief by connecting with others and sharing our stories together. I hope this helps you wherever you might be in your grieving process. And please know, we're with you. In this episode, I have two guests to chat to, and you may be surprised to learn that we don't talk of a grief triggered by death. We focus instead on the feelings of loss and grief that can often surface during and after gender transition. I was really lucky to be joined by Chrissy and Gary from our local trans support group, who were willing to give up some of their time on a bright Sunday morning to speak openly and honestly about their own experiences of transitioning and grief. This being the time of lockdown, we recorded our chat over Zoom, and it's a technology I'm still trying to get to grips with, so I hope you will forgive the fact that I sound like I'm on a landline and a million miles away. My mic decided to pack in just as we started the recording, but Gary and Chrissy are crystal clear, and I'm so grateful for this, because it is their voices that need to be heard the loudest. Please enjoy. Quite early Sunday morning, so thank you for joining me. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, I guess um, I'm just going to make a start, if that's okay. Um, you're both involved in an organisation, um, the local trans support group, which falls under the umbrella of Hastings and Rother Rainbow Alliance. Gary, would you mind telling us a little bit about that and, and how, also how lockdown might have affected your work in that as well? Okay, well, we started it, I started it eight eight, nine years ago, nine years ago, nine, eight years ago. Yeah, so eight years ago when I um, transitioned and uh, there wasn't a local support group at the time and it started off with about four or five of us, I think, we met up and now, um, how many members do we have, Chrissy? I mean, we have people who um, are who are members who don't actively necessarily come on a, on a monthly basis or actually it's twice a month now um, because they've transitioned and moved on but people who still are around to support so we have quite a big network of people um, which we're still all linked up through our Facebook group which we have been anyway Um, but our group currently meets twice a month and um, the second meeting of the month we do with the Claire project which is something called the uh, trans non-binary group that they managed to get us some funding for which was great Oh, cool. So yeah. yeah, it's really taken off, and we were having really good meetings fortnightly, where, um, where we were having visitors, and we started using local cafes and providing food and stuff because we had paying facilitators to come. So it was great, and it's um, it, for some people it's a lifeline. Yeah. And so the lockdown this has had a massive impact, and so what we're doing is we're we've done one Skype meeting. And then we're going to try Zoom, I think, because I think Zoom might work better for a group of people. Although there is an issue about 40 minutes with... There is. But not if you've paid for it. I think if you pay for the account, which the Clare Project have paid for, the Clare Project is um, based in Brighton. They're a leading trans support group. And as Gary said, we're working in partnership with them. 
on one of our monthly meetings. Oh, so we can use monthly. it through them, can we? Yes, we can use it through them. Um, okay, great. But also during lo lockdown, um, I mean, regarding numbers, I've been involved about two and a half years, I suppose, and well, nearly three years actually now. Um, and there's probably, I don't know, I'm aware of probably 40, 50 people not who they don't all come to the meeting but they've either been through or occasionally contact you and then follow up a year six months two years later and during lockdown i'm doing what i normally do but instead of meeting one-to-one -one with people i'm offering or we as a group are offering phone support or right video calls so we're still there for people and yeah, we're shopping that. for people <laughs> we do shopping for people as well yes older people yeah yeah I mean, hey, so there's a lot there's a lot of support on offer still in the current situation yeah and it's a great group and we've also had um something that's come out of it has been a drama group that's come out as well which meets on the saturday so the drama group is for the whole of the rainbow alliance but it's very kind of trans focused because it's it kind of came out of from the trans group doing a creative writing session and so yeah i mean there's quite a lot. i mean in a way this would be quite good for us thinking about how we do engage with some of our people who we don't see that often because what we were also doing was we have an older people's lunch um every few months as well so in that because there's not everyone would come out in the evening so yeah uh, we're continually evolving i think and this is probably just one of our um evolves yeah yeah there, you know there's a few people sometimes a bit worried about them especially early days of transition and especially more people who are transitioning from um, male to female, it's it's harder, quite often harder. And right. that tends to be where the people who have the most challenges and the people who are most isolated, because we've got people who, because of their jobs or whatever, aren't having contact with their children. And there's lots of people who have children, but who just, it's problematic anyway, yeah. um, with the transition, but with this is making it even harder. But people can contact us. Um, we've got a wide a Rainbow Alliance website, which is www.hrra.org.uk, and there's an email address on there which will get through to us. We've also, as a trans support group, we've got a Twitter account which is at hrra underscore t, which we monitor and regularly. So we, yeah, there's lots of ways of people contacting us. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to put some uh, links up when I when I put the podcast out. I'll put the address and um, and details. Yeah, definitely. Um, Christy, I'm I'm just gonna go back to a conversation pre-lockdown days when we were allowed to meet in cafes mm. and chat. And um, <laughs> it was actually you that um, got talking to me about grief and uh, in relation to transitioning. Um, and it really got me thinking and reading up on it and um, eager to discuss it in, in this podcast, which is about grief, mainly because I think it's something that cisgender people like, like me, we know very little, if, if anything at all, about. Um, so I thought it would be um, an important one to discuss. Um, Christy, if I can start with you, is it, is it fair to say that there are multiple layers of grief to deal with when gender transitioning um yeah i, I there, there probably are um i think although you as an individual are, are so delighted to be moving towards the person you were meant to be it obviously affects other people so when you transition it's like you throw a very large rock into a pool 
and the ripples cascade out for a long way, affecting all the people around you. Um, I, I guess for me, and I'm, I imagine I might be fairly typical, but it's be different for everyone, I suppose, to different degrees. There wasn't a grieving for my previous version at, at the time, although there was some grief for the role, the loss of the role I was in, being a partner in a relationship that had to end because of my transition, and, uh, and as a parent who had to lose the name my children referred to me by, and of course the impact it has on your family. Um, I suppose I'd say in a conventional death, of course, people grieve over someone who is dead. They're not there anymore. Yeah. But in transition it's a partial death I suppose you could call it so the transitioning person is still very much around and can actually help the others around by supporting them um, if they want the help sometimes there's rejection of course um, I think personal grief for me um, I think I transformed from what's at the end of what I would say was my previous existence I'd become a very ghost-like shy unconfident content to a degree nobody really um and then over time i became i don't know independent happy strong-willed woman i am now um, your personality doesn't change much um i think i was i'd like to think i was gentle and kind before and i still am um so there's a strong link that retains the old you and the new you and i think that alleviates any personal sense of loss of grief really yeah yeah. How about you, Gary? I know you mentioned that um, it can be perhaps harder to transition from um, male to female. You were going the opposite way. How was your experience of grief? Was it multi-layered? Were you dealing with other people's grief on top of your own? Any sense of your own grief? I was thinking about this because I thought earlier, I think, did I lose anything? But actually, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, I had already lost my family through sexuality anyway, because they, they had a real problem with me being, um, I was a lesbian before. And um, they really had a problem with that. And actually that probably prevented me from transitioning because I knew they would always, always be happier with me if I was in their eyes normal. And this was pro probably a more normal thing for them in their very bizarre perception of the world but <laughs> but I had kind of lost them anyway and I kind of thought that this might make a difference but it didn't actually in fact it's probably um but it's taken me a little while to to realize that in fact it was Chrissy who pointed it out because I think we were having this conversation before and I said I hadn't lost much and she went yeah I think you have actually but um what what I did lose at the time was I lost my job wow and um that was yeah through the the kind of complexities and uh, that was a very long kind of, I mean, I can't really kind of go into it because I also got, well, compensated for that. And I did end up getting a job back in the same place again. Well, not in the same place, but I did go back to the same place that I was working. But it was really traumatic. It was like big trauma. I suppose the other thing that I've lost as well was um, relationships are much more difficult to kind of have now. And um, whereas before I would probably, I had no problem at all. Now it's very, very different. And you're continually dealing with that, um, with loss there, because you, you kind of might go into something and think but it always ends up too complicated or people can't cope with it or, and also, yeah, your whole sexuality can be really kind of 
confusing. So you do lose a big part of your previous life. And I think quite a lot of trans people have that. Some people are lucky and it, it kind of, it kind of evolves well and people have um, partners who stay with them not hugely often, to be honest. But, um, and then getting new partners can be quite difficult. Yeah. I mean, not always, but, but then there's still the issues about, because you're not the same person. And also, so something else that I think I've lost is when I see other lesbians out and about, that kind of common link and that kind of like, hi, they just think, who's that weird man? Why is he smiling at me? <laughs> or at work if a new person comes along and they don't know no then uh yeah so that those sorts of things were the the lost things for me yeah i think it's strange people always think there has to be a death for grief to happen but you can grieve a loss of so many different things um chrissy i know you've mentioned before um a loss of a life you might have had as a child so something you know, it's a loss of something you almost um, never, never had. Um, can you, are you okay to go into that a bit more? Yeah, well, well it's funny. Um, it's not something that I really thought about. I mean, I transitioned, gosh, a long time ago, 2005, 2006. Um, and it's only been in recent years that I've probably addressed, I was absolutely fine, but coming to the coming to the group because I wasn't involved in any trans support groups before but that was almost like my finishing school if you like it just got rid of the final hurdles or the final weird feelings I had about it all um, that was still bugging me a little bit even though it's only about five percent of me but since then I've been in a kind of position of privilege I suppose to, to be able to afford the luxury of time to look back and see and conversations I've had with other trans people it's made me think well how would I my life would have been and yeah, I guess if I'd have been born correctly, I would have had more female friendships. My teenage years would have been different. Um, I, I have over the last, I've kind of almost constructed this alternative narrative in, in, in a way of dealing with it. Because although I had a very happy life before transition and parenthood and marriage and everything, it's just interesting to think how your life might have been. And I think it's quite a useful tool for trans people to perhaps revisit and, and just not to, it's a sense of it's a little bit of grieving because you think that's not what I could have had but somehow it's like a parallel path but then it can merge together as you transition in your later life perhaps so yeah I know because I was heavily involved in um, CND in the 80s and ran peace camps and lived at a peace camp for a while so I know that had I been perceived as female then I probably would have ended up in a caravan with a, a hippie traveler and gone off in a, in a different my life would have been different in some ways but not in others, but I suppose the biggest thing for me grieving is um, I'm a parent and that's probably the single most important thing about me, but I can never be the mother. I'm always the other parent, which is, which is wonderful and very lucky considering my journey. But there is a sense of loss about that, that I would have, in, a, in an ideal world, I would have been a mother. But then, that, then I, as soon as I say that, I feel really guilty because it's sort of almost demeaning the lovely friendship I've got with my ex and with my kids. So you get into a whole, I don't know, tumultuous whirlwind of feelings in your head of, it's a constant feeling. I think the whole thing for me is that balance between guilt and grief. And every time I imagine mm. something that I would have preferred, in some ways I wouldn't have preferred it because I've had a happy life till I transitioned. It, it's all sounding a bit rambling and incoherent perhaps, but I guess that's how it is. It is a bit of a maelstrom of different 
lost all different different feelings in your head all the time exactly very it's hard to verbalize these sorts of things especially yeah. when they're not um out there they're not talked about by a lot of people do you do people talk about this sort of grief in the chat you you mentioned um talking to other trans people uh, in your support group helped you to sort of think about these things and maybe come to terms with them to a certain degree mm -hmm. is this grief loss is this talked about in the community is it something um, that is tricky to a degree yeah I, I, it's not the main thing because people are just trying to deal with their day-to-day -day lives in the sense of particularly in transition how people relate to them trying to hold on to a job trying to hold on to um, relationships sanity. and friendship <laughs> sorry sanity sanity yeah exactly yeah but it but it does come up in conversation almost as an aside because we talk about well we talk about anything and everything whatever people want to share with their experiences but grief is there but it's probably not necessarily defined as grief but it clearly is grief it's a sense of loss of forming of having to walking away from previous relationships and the way your parents perceive you and friends and quite often having to go to a different place of work so it's a, a grief that underpins it without it being discussed as today we're going to talk about grief although that might be a good subject for us to talk about because we do have one one meeting a month is themed so that might be an interesting way of looking at it i don't think we acknowledge it as grief actually and i think and loss because everyone has so much loss so i mean every most people lose their partners or end that, that relationship because then they become different people which is understandable because you've got you know people who've been in relationships with people that they thought were somebody else or were something else rather than somebody else i mean yeah yeah and so many people whose families won't have anything to do with them a lot of older people families won't have anything to do with them people who've lost their kids they don't have any relationship with their kids at all i mean chrissy's really lucky because her kids are really lovely and her ex-partners lovely sorted people human beings you know who don't who aren't angry with chrissy for transitioning a lot of people are really really angry with the person for transitioning and uh, that goes for people transitioning kind of my way as well who may have come out of relationships with um uh you know heterosexual relationships with men who then find themselves in relation having had a relationship with somebody who identifies as a man oh does that make me gay and you know that that kind of yeah so it, it brings up a huge amount of stuff for people and people can be really angry and upset and then they will take it out on a trans person and people described as being selfish and all the rest of it mm. and nobody would do this unless they had to absolutely nobody would do this um i mean i think probably one of the things just just going back one of my losses was that if i had been always been a man then i'd probably be a granddad by now which would have been great, but I'm not. I don't have any kids. Well, yeah, yeah. You so I, young. <laughs> thank you. No. Oh, <laughs> that image. Yeah. yeah, but you know, so, I mean, yeah, that's definitely. Just, yeah. I think it's it's what could have been. That's such a painful sort of strange loss because it was never there. But yeah, what could yeah. have been is painful. Um, in terms of um, uh, balancing, I think. Um, in what I've read so far and what I've spoken to people about, the balancing of sort of this feeling of loss and everybody else being angry, maybe blaming you because this is, you know, oh, you're transitioning, you're making me feel like this. And then balancing that with the celebration of becoming who you are. Is that possible? 
it does that is it possible to really celebrate your transition as you would like to or are the other feeling negative feelings that come with it just so heavy it's a, such a massive relief i mean the the moment when i knew that i could finally transition and i had tried to transition quite a few years before but i had a lot of negativity around that so i thought well i have no friends if i do this i better not but i i transitioned when i knew that if if for any reason myself and my partner um split up that i would transition because i couldn't not do it anymore the feeling of relief was massive and yeah it was like yeah last jubilation for me it's easy because to be honest the moment i decided made that decision a lot of my daily struggles were over like nobody was calling me saying sorry love anymore after i spoke at a bar or something and i wasn't gonna have to punch anyone else at you know who called me who, men who said all right love um, or sorry love or something which would just be like no because that would be a real kind of like reminding me that I was presenting as female even though I didn't look female and I no longer got thrown out of the toilets because I used to get thrown out of women's toilets all the time it was going to the toilet was just hard work and it was getting to the point where I stopped even going out so for me it was a massive relief and it was a lot easier because everything ended but then yeah I lost my kind of slight difference which was um but there, there was, you know, there's positives and negatives about that because nobody particularly wants to beat me up anymore. And then people would, instead of kind of going, calling me, you know, saying like, fuck off, dyke or whatever, if I had made a comment or challenged a man for behaving badly or whatever, they'd listen to me now, which is really bizarre. So, you know, there was like kind of some, for me, there was gains um, and I lost some of the crappy the crappy stuff so there was a bit of and i'm not sure about celebrating but yes no because i'm there it was like at last yes at last i can do this and i can be me and I had to do it i had to do it no choice yeah yeah How about I mean, you, say, were you able to balance yeah. the feeling of joy along with that feeling of of love yeah def definitely i think for me because i'd kind of lived in denial for many years and had become far too good at compartmentalizing i guess Two, almost two versions of me um, I was quite used to still doing that so the day-to-day -day guilt and grief that I've caused my family and feeling bad about that but then everything like for me it's the opposite of Gary every time I went on a bus the bus driver would say you know thanks love and it's like for me that was affirmation being called love was wonderful although the the lifelong feminist in me was always kind of want to fight back about against yeah. that. That's another conversation. But yeah, so, so and it was celebration because I'd become, I don't know, the last well, the year or two before I actually confronted it and, and started dealing with it, I had just kind of shrunk. My social life disappeared. I wasn't really working in the way I should have been. Um, the only part of me that was functioning properly was in the family unit where I was still this parent figure and that and managed to disguise everything. So I'd got used to living for a year or two of complete nothingness and, and fear, and I lost loads of weight. So every day was a celebration of, certainly for the first six months or a year or so, every day, just going, going to an office and being able to be seen correctly and, and had a new job and all the colleagues, all my colleagues treated me correctly because I was in that early stage. I explained what my situation was because it was obvious I was transitioning, I guess. Um, but but all the, it was the smallest things, I don't know, just wearing a nice business suit to work and feeling confident. It was the confidence, just my walk changed, not, not in the way that I had to sort of 
change my physical side, but just I had this confidence and a bounce and it was like the real me. And, and that, that was a kind of everyday celebration that still is there to an extent. Not, um, it sort of fades and I don't think about it so much now because I'm, I guess I'm fortunate so I don't, I don't get shouted out in the street or anything anymore. So, but yeah, it is a constant celebration and, and it's like a second chance at life really, which not many people get. So that's, that's... But unfortunately lots of trans women still get sered and Chrissy's kind of lucky because she passes really well and probably from early days I should imagine you probably pass quite well because yeah yeah you're not very man looking really <laughs> but I think for some other people it's, it's quite challenging especially if they're still called sir and especially people who transition in later life who've kind of developed that kind of more you know had more years of testosterone to kind of build a body which is um not so easy to to kind of change it's easier to build make your body bigger than it is to I guess make it smaller yeah, so, yeah. I had considered that actually the sort of the different times of life where people can transition you know it does affect affect how that transition goes for them or how other people respond to them yeah and also I think when you're younger you're less kind of um your masculine traits are less developed so I think it's easier but because a lot of us probably people in mine and Chrissy's age you know it, transitioning tended to happen in later life when people just couldn't stand it any longer and would go through all that and then risked a lot but for younger people hopefully it's a bit easier now yeah do you think we will ever get to a point where um you people won't people who are transitioning won't have to absorb so much anger and and um, and grief and negativity from the people around them. Let's hope so. Oh, yeah. I mean, trans people are the you know the last well group of people that you can you can kind of bash. Especially trans women get quite a lot of grief still, and people people have to put up with things that no other group of people would even contemplate putting up with anymore. You know, like homophobia or um, racism and that kind of stuff. Although those things obviously still exist, not quite to the degree where it's actually okay to blatantly you know be abusive towards trans women from people who should know better you know that, that, that whole kind of but hopefully hopefully this you know uh, as time goes on people will kind of get over it and feel less threatened by trans people and just mm -hmm. think oh we're just people like everybody else and you know a lot of non-binary people are probably helping to kind of dispel that because we no longer the, the whole gender is being kind of um challenged in a way that's that's it's quite positive really so people maybe think less about it or less feel less threatened about it if people don't conform to stereotypes absolutely yeah, yeah. I, i'd agree i think um the way i probably describe it is at the moment it's the least worst time to be trans because if you look back what 15 years when i transitioned it was a lot better than it was 15 years before that and, and back and back so although there was still a lot of hostility, as Gary's saying, I think most people are supportive and don't really give a, give a damn, really. Most people, if, if, yeah. if they think you're trans, and it would, it would be nice to get to a point where if you're visibly trans, it doesn't matter. Because at the moment, mm. for most people who transition, the ideal world would be a world where they can then be invisible and people wouldn't know they're trans, which is where I wanted to get to, and I'm fortunate perhaps to get to that point. But at the same time, I feel quite guilty because it's times I, I feel I should stand up and say, look, I'm trans too. I'm not, I might not look what your perception of trans is. 
and that's that's a, a tricky run I think you know you sort of will support in each other um, but hopefully that will slowly get better but phew, I don't know yeah I hope we're on the right track I think it's it's you're right when it comes to the um, especially younger people identifying as non-binary and just not thinking about gender rules as stringently as as people I'm, I'm in I turned 40 recently and I feel like it's changed so much already and I'm just hoping that it keeps going on the right track um do you think it's a particularly lonely kind of grief to have to endure if you if you're feeling your own grief and the grief of others I think for some people it is and especially some I mean I know some people who transition possibly really late in life maybe about 60s and 70s who are really you know they've lost a huge amount because people just can't you know and and yeah i mean actually saying that we've got people who've um who've lost family where they've got younger family members who won't let them see their grandchildren which is just bizarre because those grandchildren aren't going to have an issue with it at all it's the you know people who are probably younger than us who have have got an issue with it and i think for them it's it's really difficult you when if you transition especially at later life you're really going to upset a lot of people and then you may find yourself quite quite isolated and people who haven't transitioned for that reason who are older I mean we've got a couple of people in the group who will never transition but they're much older and who have had to kind of live a double life for a very long time because they would be really isolated and lonely and have no friends because they're friends of that era possibly couldn't cope with it although I don't know I mean I think it's that fear of doing that and like Chrissy says things have improved but we're still not quite at the stage where other people are but if older people don't feel that they're able to um they're just not that it's just not an option that's available for them and it's a fear about loneliness I think that's the problem and quite a few people who've who've lost everything ex you know partners and children just won't speak to them anymore what kind of um, advice do you, do you offer to the people who might be feeling that? Or well, the, support, the support group is there and we do do, as well as actually meeting a couple of times a month, we normally do social stuff. So I'd say there's probably something going on every week now. Um, and we've also had some people who've got their own games group and stuff that they've set up and we really strongly encourage people to meet up. I think it's probably the older people who are slightly more... Um, more concerning but everybody's it's just about kind of making sure that we have something for everybody and just some kind of link up with people so that they don't feel lonely and isolated it's really really hard I mean obviously with the internet that makes it a bit easier for people um to kind of to to meet up but I, I think for yeah for some people it's just they've had to um not transition in order to kind of not become really lonely and isolated in older age hopefully that won't be an issue for younger people but in older age yeah definitely i it's it's not something i've considered actually that being of an older age and feeling that you cannot transition and yeah. uh, have all that that sort of negativity that comes with it for them is um there's actually a really interesting woman called um ruth who is probably, she thinks, the oldest person to transition in the country. And she, she did what a lot of people have done, is waited till maybe partners have died or um, long-term partners have died and then children have grown up and it's not such an issue and then transition because they just can't do it anymore. 
And I think she actually, her doctor was very supportive and she had surgery when she was 80, which is really unusual. And people think that they're not going to be able to have that. And she said she was so surprised because she didn't think it would ever be an option. But for her, and it, you know, people might go, well, why would you bother at that age? Because it meant something to her. You know, it made, you know, it was so important for her. And she, she's quite lucky, but she's been able to kind of, she goes out and talks to different groups and stuff. But there'll be a time when we're not actually that interesting anymore because we are quite interesting still. We get lots of people wanting to do um, uh, research and that kind of stuff. So we're always putting things out in the group saying somebody's doing a PhD or a, actually it's normally just a dissertation or something, you know, but it's still quite interested in us. But there will come a time when I guess we're probably not that interesting um, I don't know. I mean, maybe that will be the time when people won't care so much. But I think if you've been a certain, had a certain role in your family for a long time and then you're no longer granddad or you're no longer this person or that person, then people really quite often struggle with um, adapting to your new role and can't cope with you being in their family because they can't cope with it. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but it's just... I think it's, um, we've been thinking about it. We've always thought about it. So when we transition, it's not a surprise, but to other people, it may be a massive shock. And it takes a while for people to get over that shock. It may take a few years to get over that shock. And then hopefully people will be okay again. But then sometimes they won't because you, you're no longer a granddad. And I guess actually the grief thing is for the people around us, they lose the person that they thought that they had. Yeah, I think that's the that's the grief that's if there if it is spoken about in relation to transitioning in the media, it's often to do with the family members and yeah. how the mother whose daughter transitioned, um, you know, she'll never get to see her daughter on her sorry, that's air quotes in case <laughs> on the podcast. She'll never get to see, you know, her daughter on her on the wedding day as the bride and, and all those things. Um that's what I always that's the kind of grief that the media focus on, I think, you know, on documentaries yeah. about trans children and so on. Is there enough representation of, of trans people's grief in the media? Do you read about it? Is it there? Is it out there? I don't know. Um, I, I think for trans people, because I think like Gary was saying, when you know you've got, you're going to transition, there is such a sense of relief, excitement, anticipation that for well for most people I think you're so driven by that that you're not even thinking about the loss or the grief mm. on a day-to-day -day basis but then that's always there because it has a huge impact on your life um, I don't I tend to try even though I, I run the, the group Twitter account and do read up a lot of stuff I try and keep away from a lot of the mainstream media things because they're often misrepresented even when couples there was a couple a trans couple quite well-known Jake and Hannah who got married a couple of years ago and sold their story to the Sun in the belief that it would be treated sensitively but surprise surprise it wasn't so you know and everywhere the, the, the Sun time, yeah. <laughs> and believe even the Times the Guardian the Morning Star um, obviously the Mail are, every week there's some anti-trans stories a lot of nonsense about children having surgery which is clearly not happening and yeah. groups like Mumsnet. So there's this whole stirring up of kind of hatred, really. Um, yeah. And like Gary said before, if it was directed against other minority groups, it wouldn't be tolerated, but it is with us. So, so I tend to avoid the mainstream thing. I, I think trans people's grief is there and it's probably dealt with more outside of the media because it's people who are having real life experiences rather than the perceived interpretations that the media give. 
Actually, that's a good point. You know, I think we're just perceived as the bad people in the situation who are, who are ruining it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nobody, a sense of responsibility, you know. even though it's not your, you know, it's not your fault. There's no, there's no fault, but there's, it's almost like the responsibility is put on the person transitioning. Yeah, um, it's because we're making a lifestyle choice, supposedly. Yes. We're not because nobody would do it unless they had to. People forget. (laughs) People forget it's it's a medical condition. If you're suddenly diagnosed with, I don't know, heart disease or diabetes or something, people don't say, "God, how selfish you've decided to have diabetes." You know, look at the impact you've had on our life. It's going to ruin our family. Gender dysphoria. It's just a medical condition. You wouldn't choose to have it, but once you've got it like any medical condition, you just want to try and deal with it and lead as happy and fulfilling life as possible. And some of us have been very fortunate and gone on to lead probably happier or certainly as happy lives as we had before. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. People forget and just think it is a lifestyle choice in the same way that some people think being gay or straight is a lifestyle choice. It's, you know, it's no more lifestyle choice than, I was born with brown eyes. It's that's just how I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, exactly. And I, I find it quite interesting how, um, if you talk left and right wing media, really cross over on this, mm. and, and it's mm. it's it's very disheartening and very um, hor- it's very horrible to see. But there's a, there's a real crossover. So although I I hope we're on the right track in a lot of ways, um, going towards you know it. Just being a celebration of becoming who you are rather than a big grieving process um, for lots of people um, there's still a way to go I guess how yeah. how how do you feel about representation in TV films I know there's not that much at the moment is is it going the right way um, I think in films I'm still surprised that there are occasionally roles about trans people that aren't played by trans people which right. um, and that's that's being addressed now and it's better than it was 10 years ago but even i don't know even a couple of years ago in in the um the film the danish girl which um was it eddie eddie redmayne played the oh, lead yes. Mm-hmm. yeah um, ironically rebecca root who is a, a well-known trans actress she was in the film but she wasn't allowed to actually play the main lead which she'd have been better suited for one would have thought but yeah it, it's getting better um as for there's always endless documentaries. I, I cannot believe the amount of television documentaries there are and radio things about trans people. I'd have thought that people would know everything they ever wanted to know or the public would. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does take a certain kind of person, I think, to go on national television and tell their story. And it's great that that happens, but they will always then be known as, I don't know, that that lawyer who was, is a trans man or that, I don't know, that that army officer who's a trans woman because that's how they, they then carry that label throughout their life and it will always be out there on the internet whereas for a lot of us we want to get on with our lives and transition and then not be visible and just it's, it's just one of the many things about us um, but that but it is important to have role models obviously and there are an awful lot of good trans people out there stepping up and giving us an authentic voice I think there's yeah. more trans people that kind of it, they've popped in that soaps and not necessarily being major characters. I mean, Hayley, that in Coronation Street, that was quite good because she transitioned and it was a big deal at the time, but then she just became this woman in Coronation Street. And they actually dealt with it really well long before 
anybody else was dealing with it. Well, they didn't cover any trans women issues. Um, I don't know, maybe that I don't really watch it to be honest. So No, but I, I remember at the time because that was quite an important point for my life at my, at my life and that storyline was being covered. And I think what was covered quite well was the ignorance and the hatred around and, and the fact that when the Haley character formed a relationship, the guy she was in a relationship what was a bit of a the laughing stock of the street already because he was a bit of a bumbling mm. person. So but anyway, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's definitely improving. And I take my hat off to trans people that are willing to get out there in, in the big mainstream broadcasting world and, and say, speak up for us already. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm hoping there's more and more of it. And that's very mainstream. You know, you can't get more mainstream than soap opera, but let's... Well, no, because they helped a lot in the whole kind of, um, you know, uh, whole gay, lesbian, gay world kind of thing by just having people who were characters who just happened to be gay. And so just became normal parts of society, regular parts of society without being, oh my God. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the best way. I mean, I, hopefully this is just, just a, the time of people, trans being, people being a bit more visible and then we'll move on to, oh, you're just like everybody else, how boring. So, um, yeah, sort of invisible is yeah, because I mean, bizarrely, where I work, yeah, yeah, I mean, where, where I work, some people know, and quite a lot of people don't know. And I realize that they don't, and I think that's really interesting. Nobody talks about me, um, so I'm really not interesting. And part of me thinks, why am I not interesting? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not interesting enough, obviously, or nobody cares, or you know, so what? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of uh, when you're used to having people stare at you quite a lot before, because that was obviously a bit different um, to kind of fading into obscurity. So that was a loss. That was a loss for me, a loss of being <laughs> slightly different. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it can only good things can come of it, I think, because then we can all just get on with our lives. Absolutely. If I had a glass, I'd cheers to that. But, uh, <laughs> I've only got some water. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 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 I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. And by the way, you don't look anything like 40. I thought you were probably late 20s. Thank 20. you. Is There's that? probably a filter on here. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think they all look great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>